Hello and welcome back to the Whatcom Dads Podcast, the podcast where three local dads share their parenting experiences. This week we discuss love languages and how that applies to your children. We sample three more local beers and we talk about our favorite places to watch live music here in Whatcom County. Guys, when you're growing up, were there certain things that you thought were just dad things? Like things that your dad had or your dad wore or your dad used that were just sort of things you identify with a dad? My dad had a briefcase. Oh, so did mine. Yep. Yeah. My dad with had a lock. briefcase. Oh, yeah. The lock. Ties and dress socks. Yeah. Oh, my dad had wingtips. My dad always had a handkerchief. Mm, my dad did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my dad did too. Mm-hmm. Yep. So along those lines, I'm going to bring back our game that we've played a few times, overrated, underrated, properly rated, (laughs) with some things that we typically associate with dads. So the first thing that I thought of that is associated with dads is cologne. Chris, overrated, underrated, properly rated. I will say it's properly rated because I'm not kidding. When I put my cologne on, both girls come up and they smell the cologne on me like they know that that is my my smell and i still wear polo sport which like you, you can't find it like macy's anymore is you that to, the like, blue bottle yes i had polo sport in college <laughs> yeah exactly that's the funny thing is is i still wear the cologne that like i wore in in late high school and into college but it's a smell that amy still likes and the girls like it i was gonna say you've met your wife in college so <laughs> If it worked in, uh, I don't know, 1998, why change it up yeah, now? It still works now. Huh? Huh? No. Okay. Cologne is very overrated as far as I'm concerned. My dad wore Brute. <laughs> Amy's dad's, no, he wears uh, Stetson. Ooh, that's Amy's dad wears Stetson, yeah. too. I'm going to say overrated as well. I, yeah, I, I never wore cologne. I never had any interest. I, didn't, I don't like drawing attention to myself, and I always felt like cologne did that. So just, maybe that's why it fits me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, we're different. I mean, we're different people, Chris. I mean, really. I mean, so you'd be very comfortable going out and someone telling you, "God, you really smell good." Mm-hmm. If someone told me that, I'd be so embarrassed. Yeah. What about you? Do you do you wear cologne ever? No, I did until maybe I don't know, age thirty, and then I was just over it, and haven't found the need to go back. They had it on sale at the duty-free store, the Polo Sport. And you uh, bought like a case? <laughs> I bought three <laughs> bottles because it was like crazy cheap. And I thought, you know what? Who knows if I'm ever going to be able to get this again? I love it. So I'm. St- that was like 10 years ago, and I'm still going through. I don't even think I've broken into the second bottle yet. I mean, because – You don't wear it every day. No. It's I, not a daily driver I, for no, you. No, no, Yeah, but it's a total dad thing, right? Oh, I think so. Yeah, Axe body spray is for kid, for the younger than a dad, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, because it is. When you get older, you start wearing cologne. All right. How about pocket knives? That seems like a very dad thing. Overrated, underrated, properly rated. Carrying around a pocket knife. Well, growing up in the city, I would say way overrated. But my father-in-law and my in-laws are all farmers. Mm-hmm. So I'd say pocket knives were terribly underrated because I have seen them just whip that out and be able to fix things in a jam and do whatever they needed to do. So I think everyone should carry a pocket knife. (sighs) Boy, 
That's the exact answer I would say. My father-in-law carries a pocket knife. It's a very nice one. And whenever I need something, he just whips it right out of his pocket and boom, problem right. solved. Fixes it. Um, I used to have a Swiss Army knife on my keychain, but ever since 9-11, like that just pretty much put Swiss Army knife out of business. Um, and so I have a couple Swiss Army knives that I have in my toolbox. <laughs> But they don't sit on my keychain anymore. So I, I would say, I would say overrated. You can get by with finding some scissors or something if you really needed it. Yeah, I'm going to say properly rated. But there are people who have them and swear by them. My father being one, and they have Swiss Army knives. They have these Leatherman tools. There's all these varieties. <laughs> yeah. But I think our generation probably doesn't carry them daily. But I think our parents' generation. They're in there every day, and I guess they do come in handy. I think it also depends where you live. I bet there are yeah. a good number of people in the Ferndale area that are younger than us that carry pocket knives every single day. And it probably depends on your vocation. Sure. What you're doing. Sure. Yeah. Well, when you said you lived in L.A., I thought you were going to say you needed one because, you know, it's some rough neighborhoods over there. <laughs> he lived <himself>. in Glendale. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one. Free T-shirts. For dads. Overrated, underrated, properly rated. I went first last time, Chris, so please. Uh, I I say overrated only because I like to wear a specific kind of t-shirt. So kind of the free t-shirt is usually a one-size-fits-all thing, and they don't fit me very well. So I did get a free t-shirt uh, just recently. The one that you are currently wearing. <laughs> I am currently wearing a free t-shirt. And it is Lexi's favorite night shirt that she wears now well i'm wearing a t-shirt that's fit for a teenage girl <laughs> <laughs> i think free t-shirts are properly rated i love free t-shirts i never wear them but i love getting them <laughs> i'm gonna say they're underrated and i don't wear them out but if you're gonna be you know working out or just sleeping uh free t-shirts all right last one things that we associate with dads a package deal robe and slippers overrated <laughs> underrated properly rated wow my dad always wore a robe and slippers same and every christmas we got dad a new pair of slippers because they were worn out completely holes right. in, yeah. the, in the feet the whole thing <clears throat> yep i am not a robe and slippers kind of guy so yeah. in my mind robe and slippers are overrated I think for the dad of today, same thing. My dad still to this day, robe and slippers in the morning, always. Uh, and he, I mean, his robes, I mean, just gross. I mean, just, you know, just <laughs> fraying and yeah. holes and everything. And, you know, that's awesome. Christmas time, come around and get him a really nice robe. I'm hot all the time at night. So having a robe, um, I tried to get a really light one one time and it looked like I was I mean, it's just weird. I don't know. I, they're just kind of a pain. I don't but know. But you kind of you kind of got the Hugh Hefner thing going on, though. I think you can pull off the robe. <laughs> well, you splash yourself with a bunch of cologne in your robe and slippers. That's right. And Amy couldn't resist me at all. Yeah, and you, I mean, I'm sure you smoked a pipe in the past, haven't you? I own one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't Absol- know. Maybe I want to consider this. Huh. You should huh. find out what kind of cologne Hugh wore, and if it was polo. You need I'm to, in. You need to start uh, <laughs> doing this on a regular basis. I'm going to say they're properly rated because I am pro slippers, but I just can't really get behind the robe. And I have one, and occasionally I remember and wear it, like on a weekend. But I, in the winter, I will wear slippers. 
Um, so I'm going to say properly rated on that combo. But, but, but like, what's what is the purpose of a robe? Like when I've stayed at like the Chrysalis, or if I go to a spa or a hotel and something, you just kind of want to like tootle around or something. Sure, but like around your own house, like why not just get dressed? Yeah, or wear up, your pajamas right. or something. I put on a pair of sweats or a pair of shorts and yeah. a t-shirt, and I'm good to go. I yeah, don't, I, yeah, I don't, I don't get the robe. Yeah, yeah, I use the robe like if I've taken a shower, a bath, kind of a slow. You morning. take a bath. Oh, I took a bath today, Mark Bagley. Really? Are you a bath guy, Chris? <laughs> no. I'm not a bath guy. I can't guy. fit in the bath. Half of me is cold all the time. I need a bigger bathtub, I guess. It was 90-something today. I took a cold bath. <laughs> I turned on some music. Am I... Sail away, sail away, sail away. That'll be a different podcast, our bath time playlist. Two salts. Uh, bath bombs. Bath bombs. Bombs. That's too bad. We just got. We just threw a whole bunch away that you know. We just have never used for the kids. The girls don't even take baths. We have your standard bathtub. Is your, is your bathtub kind of a deeper one? Do you have? Yeah, I can fit in it. Oh, that's nice. Okay, that's what yeah, that makes, makes a difference. Peaceful, but yeah, yeah, it's sometimes it's my like get away from the family. Calgon, take me <laughs> away. <laughs> well, this took a turn. Well, we brought back a segment for a third time. This is our beer tasting, and I'm not sure that the listeners like it, but we sure seem to like it because it's- it gives us something to do while we uh, record. <laughs> so, Chris, you chose the uh, first selection for tonight, and I'll let you uh, walk over across the studio and pick that up and then get your headset back on, and then you can tell us a little bit about what we're trying. <clears throat> Yes, I have in my hand here, Nathan Dwyer, the Aslan Brewing Company Cosmic Dreams Hazy IPA. It has a 6.0 alcohol by volume. Um, let's see, do they give us a description of it? They do not, but it sits in a very nice, what is it, a salmon-colored can? It's very hazy. It's a hazy IPA. Fruity. I don't taste any banana. My God, <laughs> listeners, that's a callback. Wasn't to, it like uh, pear or what was the other? There was another fruit in one of those other beers that we had. It was like a tropical type fruit. Was there was a mango in something? Oh, maybe. mango was one. Yeah, this yeah. And I, I just gotta say it straight up. Anyways, I've never been an IPA fan anyway. But these are easier to drink than like a Cascade Hop West Coast IPA. I've really kind of come around with IPAs, and it's. The hazies have been the last IPA that I've really um, started to enjoy, but this this is really good. I I like it. Yeah, I have no complaints. This no. is a perfectly acceptable summer, ninety some degree, as we are experiencing this weekend. Beer. Your life can change in an instant. Car accidents impact all aspects of your life and lead to pain and suffering, medical bills, and time missed from work. Robinson and Cole, attorneys in Bellingham, can help. They have represented thousands of clients since 1979. They also handle other types of injury claims, including workers' compensation. Consultations are always free and are available in Spanish. Robinson and Cole, when you need us, we will be here. All right, our parenting topic tonight, 
is something that I picked up on listening to a prior episode because Chris talked about his child's love language. And so I thought, you know what? Here's another one of these books on our shelf. <laughs> so the book is by Gary Chapman. It's The Five Love Languages of Children. I'll put a link in the show notes. And Chapman has done uh, his original book, which was more geared towards couples and finding out your partner or spouse's love language. And uh, I think there's even been, he's done some work with the military as far as organizational training and psychology. This is a topic I've had sort of cursory discussions with my wife about what we think our children's love languages are. And I dove a little deeper into it the last couple of days. But uh, I'll put a couple links to articles in our show notes as well that talk about it. And the book itself is kind of a quick read. You could get through it in a long weekend. Um, but just sort of an introduction to the topic um, and this is sort of quoted a little bit from the introduction to the book. It says, every child has a primary language of love, a way in which he or she understands a parent's love best. And if we can recognize and speak our children's love languages, we can let them know they are loved in order to help them grow into a giving, loving, responsible adult. So, Chris, I know you're familiar with this concept. Mark, I'm going to take a stab and say you probably weren't. Yeah, this is not my jam. Just this is this is kind of out of my comfort zone. Well, and it's funny because I mentioned love language because that, that's a phrase we've all heard, right? You know, um, but it's funny. I actually, if you were to ask me what are the five love languages, I wouldn't have been able to tell you. And so I asked Amy today. I said, "Hey, Amy, um, you're familiar with the love languages?" And she said, "Yeah, we have the book." Yeah, it's it's a thing, and a lot of people know about it, and it's sort of a common thing that people understand sort of having discussions about their children. Yeah. And how fitting, right? As we've always said, we're just going along. Our wives really are the ones who help us as we are trying to parent too. Of course, Amy's read the book and has the book and knew exactly what the five love languages were. But it was really fun because we did actually quiz our kids before uh, tonight's podcast to find out a little bit more about what their love languages are. Well, we will get to that in a couple minutes. Yeah, my wife said, oh, you're skimming the book before your podcast. Are you ever going to go back and read the whole thing? <laughs> And I said, sure. And there, I'm like four, I'm four books behind her. And so I need to catch up. But yeah, I think sort of the thought behind this is, you know, raising emotionally healthy children can be very, very difficult, especially in 2021. You've got the media, you've got friends, you've got mean girls, you've got all these things they're experiencing. And so if we as parents can meet their needs for love, that's one way to sort of help them along this path. Um and, you know, kids are going to act like kids, especially when they're young. But, you know, if you can love them unconditionally, you can help them feel more secure. You can help them feel less anxious. Um, you can sort of, uh, you know, give them positive self-image. So figuring out your kid's love language and then being able to kind of speak that language when you're trying to, I think the term we would use in my house is fill their bucket. Does that mm -hmm. resonate with you? Mm -hmm. yep. You can fill up their emotional bucket. They're going to feel better about themselves. And So enough about that. Let's jump into the five. And Mark, when you looked through it, did any of these, did you go, oh, I can sort of see how one of my children or would have kind of fit one of these descriptions? Yeah, I, I found it more for Ben. And I'll talk a little bit about Allie, but Allie was a, kind of a unique case. So I'll run through the five, and then we can chime in if any of our kids fit this descriptor and what it is about that that we've sort of noticed. And we should say, like, nobody is – it's like these personality tests and these other things, Myers-Briggs. 
there's a combination going on with yeah. a lot of this, and maybe you're stronger in one than the other. Um, so just real quick, rapid fire, the five love languages are physical touch, words of affirmation, quality time, gifts, and acts of service. So if we take a look at physical touch first, that's probably the easiest one for us parents to do if you're trying to fill their emotional bucket. It yeah. doesn't take a lot to give them a hug, to twirl them around, throw them in the air, rustle, whatever. Um, but it, it's sort of hard to say, okay, probably all kids at some younger age want to be cuddled and be around their parents. But as they get older, I think there's maybe when they're going to differentiate away from this one. So for my three-year-old, clearly at three, this is what language she speaks. But I think it's a little too early to tell if that's going to hold true. And one thing that resonated with me and when, when thinking about physical touch is also one of the drawbacks to it is if you spank or use physical touch as a punishment, it can actually really impact uh, a kid even more if their love language is physical touch. Hmm, that's really interesting. Yeah. I think that Ben, for sure, growing up, was he was a snuggler, toucher, always kind of in your business <laughs> all the time. and just loved that skin on skin. Yeah. In my senses, that's not you. That's not me. So was that difficult for you? No, I thought it was great. I loved it. Yeah. It allowed you, like, oh, it's my son. And it's not uncomfortable to no. be touchy-feely yeah. with yeah, him. Yeah, it was perfectly fine. Yeah, I try to be. I try to snuggle with you, but you don't. You don't let me. No. no. I think in the room here, the three of us on a range of touchy-feely <laughs> to not touchy-feely kind of run the gamut. We've got sort of super touchy-feely hug guy, middle of the road guy, and stay away guy. Leave me alone. <laughs> So if we move on to words of affirmation, that's really the providing praise, encouragement, showing your kid that you care about them. Uh, you know, words are powerful. The words that you use can mean a lot. And especially when kids are young, they believe everything. So if you say something, no matter how much of a hyperbole or sort of like how cutting or sarcastic, they may in fact be taking it very literally. Um, and I think this is one it's easy to overdo. I know there's a lot that is being talked about now about praising people too much and participation ribbons and everybody's great and everybody's good. So I think this could be one to really take a measured approach to. Mm -hmm. um, but I think a key there, and it was pointed out in the book, was one thing is don't ever dilute saying I love you to your kid. I know that there's sometimes a people who would say, well, I'll love you if you do blank. Or mom or dad loves you when you do this. And then when making it conditional there, it really is probably uh, unhealthy. Yeah. So I didn't pick that one for either of my kids. Anybody have a words of affirmation child? Uh, both of my girls, they scored high in that, but that wasn't their, their top. I think Ben is a little bit on that scale, but I believe that's really where Allie fits. Um, she is the kid who, if she was having a bad day or something, she would come to the kitchen. And usually Nett was in there cooking, making dinner, whatever. And Allie would fling herself on the floor and just start talking and complaining. And just that, and that was her thing just to lay on the, or on the kitchen table or on the counter and just, oh, and wail and moan. <laughs> And Annette would just listen, but that was Allie's process of telling us stuff hmm. and getting it off of her chest 
and she wasn't as interested in oh maybe she was but i think she was more interested in getting off her chest than she was hearing words from us she liked hearing words from us and she liked when Annette would talk her down from wherever she was so i think that one fits her best but it was really where she had to initiate that yeah and we knew she was and this is not the right not the right word but we knew she was in quote unquote trouble emotionally when she would come and flail, flail on the floor and just have a total meltdown. So, but, but when she was, the thing that just filled her up and made her better was when you could sort of reaffirm absolutely how great she is. Yeah. Or just tell her, it's not that bad. It's going to be fine. You're yeah. going to get through this, whatever. Mm-hmm. And she would eventually snap out of it and be fine, but it, it took that to get there. Yeah. And what's also interesting is on these love languages, it's not only what the child takes best for themselves, but how they express love to others, too. Mm-hmm. So I'd be interested to know, did Allie give encouragement to her brother? Did, was she a big praiser or was she more um, just it was helpful to her to hear it? She is now. She wasn't super great. As she got older, she got better. So it sounds like she maybe grew into that. This. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. All right, next up is quality time. Uh, this is really giving focused, undivided attention to the kids, not saying, no, we're going to do it later. Um, you know, it doesn't require going somewhere special with your kid. It could just be going in the backyard and playing catch. Um, and the quality time aspect just, I think, really allows you to get to know the child better. And that was one of the things the book talked about is important on this. So I believe my daughter, Ellen, quality time is her love language. Uh, She enjoys one-on-one time. uh, And she will afterwards thank you many times for taking time to do something with her. Um, She does bounce into a couple of these other ones, but if I had to sort of uh, place her in one, I think I have one child who this is her love language. Yeah, Amy and I both guessed that this would be the top one for both of our girls, and they both took the quiz, uh, and this scored the highest for both of them. Hmm. Yeah. And I don't know if it's something, because that's how we also sort of parent, right? You know, we we do our Starbucks Friday together. Um, We will try to split off and do one-on-one time, maybe go to a movie or something like that. So we enjoy doing those things like that anyway. Um, So I don't know if their love language is something that we've sort of them or if that's just because of who they are and they enjoy it. And my sense is if you were teaching them one and it wasn't working, you would have pivoted and yeah. tried something else. Good point. Yeah. Um, but no, that's interesting that both of yours probably score highly on that. And it makes it easy for you if you understand that. And it sounds like it's an easy one for you guys to, to work with them on. Yeah, very much so. And Alyssa scored very high in quality time, whereas Lexi was, it was like 30% quality time and then 20 and 20 in the first two that we've already talked about. Hmm. So the next one is gifts, both giving and receiving gifts. Um, gifts can be a symbol of love. They're sort of a placeholder maybe. Um, and the interesting thing about the gifts is similar to quality time. A gift need not be bought from a store. It can be made. It can be found. Uh, as you can guess, a three-year-old finds a special rock for me uh, every opportunity she can when we're outside. Because a three-year-old doesn't understand that something costs money. Right. No. And so she could be just as excited with a daisy I picked as something – I ordered off Amazon for her. Mm -hmm. So that one seemed the easiest to sort of pinpoint. 
Um, but it's interesting, again, if people like to give gifts, they can just as well put them in this category. And my oldest daughter does like to make gifts. Um, she'll disappear for an hour and make a lot of crafts for people. So she's pretty high on this too. But it's more the giving of gifts that fills her bucket than the actual getting of gifts. Yeah. Which is interesting because for me as a person, like individually, let me say that again, me personally, uh, that's like probably my lowest. I mean, I just, getting gifts has always been a hard thing for me and, and giving gifts for the sake of giving like something that has value. I would much rather do something for somebody or, you know, that, that, so it was an interesting sort of self-reflection that I had myself, even just going through this Mm -hmm. process. It's interesting. Yeah, we're not. I don't think that an, either Annette or me are good at giving gifts. Yeah. It's just not something that, and that has maybe translated over to our kids yeah. as well. All right, the final and fifth love language is acts of service, which you just alluded to. That's where there's a desire to help others. You work hard to help other people. I think the people; these are the people that do the little things for people. And Chris, I kind of think of you in this one too. Like, I think of uh, you in that one. But I think you'll be like, you'll be like, oh well, I just went over and mowed my neighbor's lawn because he was on vacation. He didn't ask me to. You know, just these little thoughtful. I do that because I hate staring at long lawns. That's... <laughs> But I think the tricky part with this, as the book pointed out, was that if you are thinking that your child's love language acts of service and you're doing things for them, there has to be a point where you let them do things on their own Mm -hmm. um, because I think you can overdo it and then they're not as self-sufficient and self-reliant as they could be. Um, But it also pointed out that this can be the most demanding, both physically and emotionally, love language to have because it does take a lot to sort of always be a servant and, and doing that for other people. So I think my five-year-old Ben, this is probably his within the last six months, he's really become the most helpful five-year-old that we've ever thought, <laughs> which is interesting because for four years of his life, you'd be like, Hey Ben, do you want to set the table? He'd be like, nah, I'm cool. And then now he's like chomping at the bit to be helpful. So I hope that continues. That's and cool. again, I think that kids probably can flirt in and out of these different love languages sure, as they yeah. get older. But, um, acts of service definitely, was one that uh, seemed very uh, prevalent with his stage right now. All right. So now that you've discovered your child's love language, how is that important? And if you need help discovering your child's love language, I'll put a link in the show notes. There's a little quiz. It might be what Chris used with his kids. Yeah. And also, the book said, don't ask your kids what they think it is, but sort of do your own research by observing them. Uh, what is it they're requesting You know, when they need help? What are they complaining about that they're not getting? And then you can also sort of give them choices. So if you said, hey, son, I've got some extra time. Would you me rather take you to buy some shoes or go play basketball? And, you know, or would you rather me help with your homework or cuddle with you? And then with by sort of giving them those choices, you can help see where they're going to go. Yeah, I think this was super cool. It was a great exercise, Nathan. Uh, really well done. I really, uh, listeners, I really recommend clicking on the link, trying the quiz, and checking it out. It, it certainly makes you think. Yeah, and I think if you know your kids' love language, if you are disciplining them, try not to deprive them of their love language as their punishment or discipline. Yeah. So if you know that your son is really into quality time, don't make the consequence be, you don't get to go with me to Costco this week. <laughs> Right, it, it, because that's really gonna that's like important. crush them yeah. more than if you said, "Well, um, you know, now you're not gonna be able to cuddle with me on the couch, you know, or whatever it is." Yeah. Um, and, and then the other thing is, when you do have to discipline, you'll also know what you can come back with to sort of help fill the bucket back up. 
And as I mentioned earlier, this can be helpful with your spouse or your partner, uh, with your friends, employees, coworkers. It's uh, some, some good work, and I think it does have value. Um, so go ahead and check out some of the links in our show notes about love languages. All right, we have poured our second beer of the evening. Mr. Bagley, please inform us what is in front of us. This is the Elysian Contact Haze Hazy IPA. And I got to tell you, it looks like a Coors Light in the glass. It does. It it's barely hazy. Yeah, it's barely hazy. It's it's like unlike the Aslan which was like more of a dehydrated kind of pea look, this is a pretty hydrated pea. Yeah, there's bursts of bright raspberry, currant, citrus, guava and passion fruit with a slight floral note. Are you, get, are you getting that, Chris? <laughs> Why every beer you get has like some really nice summary about I, I smell raspberry. It's way different than that last one. See, and I like that better because the last one tasted like a plain old IPA to me. This is good. And see, this to me is kind of like a boring, not much flavor Pilsner. Well, and I like Pilsners, which for and me I, on a hot day today, this is much better than that other IPA. Hmm. I don't have to taste it because this is my jam. This is a little unfair because this was in the fridge and you pulled this out. But this is probably the beer I drink second most these days. But if I'm going hazy, yeah, I'm going with this one. Because it's lighter? It's just, a, it, just suits my palate? Yeah, it's good. I mean, mm. it's. I like, I like the Cosmic Dreams better. I think that Cosmic Dreams has more taste, at least for me. Hmm. This one goes down much easier. So uh, <clears throat> this is from Elysian. Uh, one story I've learned, there is a new brewery in Mount Vernon called District Brewing. And one of the brewers at Elysian is the head brewer now at District Brewing. So anybody who wants to go check out a really cool new brewery uh, down in Mount Vernon, it's, it's, it's really darn good. They also have pizzas and other – it's a good family-friendly brewery. And is Elysian from Seattle? Yep, right next to the stadiums. All right, today on Whatcom Dads Recommend, the world is opening back up. We're talking about live music, and this is uh, one for the dads. Probably not a place to take your kids to listen to live music these days. But uh, Chris, did you have a place or two where you like to go listen to live music here in Whatcom County? Yes, I uh, I love the beer garden at Boundary Bay. Uh, the good folks at Boundary Bay have always had a great beer garden, and it is uh, many times kid-friendly, so they've got a neat little corner with some you know, little play area for kids, and they've got hula hoops for kids and adults. Uh, uh, I might have a wife who hula hooped for 90 straight minutes at a uh, space band concert. I've seen your wife hula hoop <laughs> in the Boundary Bay beer garden. For 90 minutes? <laughs> she kept going. Good Lord, She's man. in a zone. Wow. That's impressive. <laughs> Boundary Bay's great. Mark, any live music spots? Not a big live music fan. I know it's shocking for you to hear that. I know it really surprises you. I'm glad we're all sitting down when I told you that. Um, a couple summers ago, and uh, our guest a couple weeks ago, Stephanie Wiley, mentioned this, uh, was the Blues on the Bay at the Bellwether. That was one of mine. <laughs> So uh, our daughter had a, a friend who was in a band, and we went down there and had a beautiful evening on the deck and listened to live music, and that was that was quite fun. Right on. Yeah, that was on mine. I think, what do they call it? Blues, blues Brews, and Barbecues. Yep, that's right. And uh, I forget, is it Thursday nights maybe on the terrace there off the Bellwether, but certainly some some good local bands there. 
Um, if you want to catch national acts, uh, two places downtown, obviously the Mount Baker Theater catches some big-time acts. And the other one's the Wild Buffalo. Yep. Um, everyone from rappers to uh, you know folk artists can get into the Wild Buffalo and uh, you know check out their website because once things get rolling again, some acts will come through town, often on their way between Seattle and Vancouver. They can stop over and play a show. That is right. They, uh, they just sold out their show coming up with the Posies, which is a big one. And then uh, rumor has it that Sir Mix-a-Lot is coming in November, as I think we talked about it in one of our last podcast seattle zone the seattle guy yeah 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 so we saw the b-52s at the mount baker theater fantastic they're great huh you ever heard of them huh isn't that a plane yes (laughs) (laughs) we watched an old black and white movie of war planes from world war ii (laughs) they are great they are great the love shack it was the love shack (laughs) that's right yeah that's right um and uh, there was one other. Oh, Downtown Sounds. That's a great one. Uh, downtown Sounds is back this year. They're going to do four different uh, Downtown Sounds events put on by the Downtown Bellingham Partnership. Uh, really great outdoor concert venue, beer garden, the whole works. It's uh, it's quite a, quite a great place. They put up a stage there. What is it on Holly? And they block off a couple blocks there in front of the, what do they call it, the triangle-shaped building there? By the Radio Museum, right? The- Oh yeah, that's uh, Bay. That Bay Bay Street in yeah. Holly. Yeah. yeah, we'll we'll put a link in the show notes if we're wrong. But yeah, that's yep. a that's a fun place, and uh, usually food trucks and dancing going on. Yep. For my second one, I'm going to take a pivot. I'm going to go Bellingham Festival of Music, which Ooh. is at the uh, the auditorium at Western Washington University. But uh, if you're into orchestral music, um, this is a sort of summer gathering for a couple weeks each year, sort of the principal players from many national orchestras like Boston, Atlanta. They all come to Bellingham for a couple weeks and play together, usually about half dozen or so concerts. And if you don't want to spring for a ticket, pro tip, there are rehearsals during the day sometimes, which are free to the public. We've taken our daughter to watch the rehearsals. It's a little less uh, stressful than having a kid there at a performance. Now, this year, they may not have the rehearsals open to the public, but uh, if you're a fan of chamber and orchestra music, check out the Bellingham Festival of Music when it swings through town. And shout out to the Performing Arts Center at Western for making that space available for that every year. And during the academic year at Western, there are some very well-known musicians who yeah. will come through Bellingham and, and play at the Performing Arts Center. And it's you can get some very high-quality uh, music at Western during the academic year. Yep. And Bellingham Symphony Orchestra, formerly the Whatcom Symphony Orchestra, uh, monthly shows. I think they're coming back to live shows as well. So another opportunity to see some of our uh, local musicians contributing to that. That's right. So there you go. From Sir Mix-a-Lot to uh, Mozart. Any, <laughs> many, many ways to listen to live music here in Whatcom County. Our final beer of the night. I'm going to read the description. Prepare thyself for fresh scents of flowers and tart lemon zest with a touch of honey and a crisp, spicy finish. What's up with the flowers in in beer? I mean, I know that the hop is a flower, right? Or or a plant. This is the Freem Pilsner. I think we did a Freem IPA several weeks ago. Again, Freem out of Hood River. But here is the Pilsner. What do you think? I'm not a Pilsner fan, but um, this is good. Mm. I am pleasantly surprised by this. Yeah, it's good. I don't know if it's the uh, 
lemon zest or the crisp spicy finish. It's the flowers. But I think a great guest for an upcoming episode. Should we get one of our brewers? One of the guys that writes the descriptions on the cans. How, who, how, I'd love to know. Who write, Who does write those? It's got to be a job. There's got, got to be a company that does that so or let's something. Let's get a brewer on the show and ask them. We can do that. I. We can do that. Right. Anybody listening have any brewing hookups, reach out to us. Our email address is in the show notes. As always, thanks to our sponsor, Robinson & Cole Attorneys. You can reach the show through our Facebook page or our email address, Podcast at gmail.com. Be sure to like, subscribe, and rate our podcast on your favorite podcast app. Next week, we'll play Name That Local Park, and then we will re-air some of our favorite Whatcom Dads Recommend segments that will provide activities for you to enjoy with your children for the rest of the summer. I can't tell if I like this new blender I got. I keep getting mixed results. <laughs> A termite walked into a bar and says, is the bartender here? <laughs> I think Nathan's still waiting for the punchline. Is the bar tender, tender here? here? A termite walked into a bar. <laughs> is the, bar tender I, the best was watching Nathan be like, so when are you going to give us the punchline here? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <clears throat> Another summer joke for you. When do you go at red and stop at green? When? It's when you're eating a watermelon. <laughs>